Well, good morning, everyone. Um, it's a real joy for me to be with you here today. Um, sorry, I can't be with you in person, but it's great to be with you on camera. Um, and thank you also for the privilege of being able to kick off your new teaching series today. Before I do that, can I just say well done to everyone in King's Church for keeping church going during these last few months, um, for putting everything that you can online. Um, I'm sure many, many people appreciate it so much. Um, but thank you for connecting with people. We're, we're trying to do church in very difficult circumstances. And I just want to take this moment to say well done for everybody that's played their part. Um, can I also say a big thank you from the New Ground family of churches that you're a part of? Uh, a big thank you in terms of your generosity. I know you've given gifts towards the offerings that we've been taking up across the churches, particularly homing in on the nation of Zimbabwe, where we have partnership with a number of churches there. Um, as far as I'm aware, we've well passed £155,000 now, which is amazing when you think of the circumstances that we're in. Huge generosity that will literally go to feed people and keep them alive and set things up well for them uh, in the future. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing in New Ground, we have tried also, like local churches, to put everything online. So if you go to our New Ground website, and if you... Uh, go there, I think it's press blog, and uh, you'll find a thing called Latest in Lockdown. And it's a video clip, and uh, it's about 25 minutes long, and we're producing them every month. And it's just full of news from churches, and a bit of a preach, and updates on things that's happening amongst us. So I really welcome you to, to go online and find out more about what God is doing in these times amongst us as churches together. Well, I said I was going to kick off this uh, new series, and the title for this new series that you're going to be looking at over these next few weeks is Blueprint, an Enduring Vision for the Local Church from Acts 2. I don't know who came up with that title, but I think it's brilliant. Well done. So we're going to look at this uh, together today uh, by way of introduction. So if you have your Bibles with you, you might like to turn to the book of Acts and chapter 2, and we're going to read from verses 37 to 47. Now, the background to this passage of Scripture is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out. It's called the Day of Pentecost, and the disciples who have been locked away uh, in lockdown, if you like, have suddenly found themselves out in the streets preaching the gospel, and just thousands of people have been listening to them. And many of them want to know what, what can we do to respond to the preach that Peter has just been given. And this is what it says in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received and his word and were baptized uh, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, to any who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, for many years, I looked at this passage of scripture and it's kind of really affected me. Uh, sometimes I've looked at it and I've thought to myself, wow, what an amazing experience and what a fantastic church this must be to be part of. I, I would like to be in a church like this. And so I've, I've lent in the years to try and see, look, Lord Jesus, would you help us to be a church like this? And and, and it's a dream. It's, it's felt like something that I've wanted, but something I've not really experienced in totality. You kind of reached out for it and find every time you're going to get to it, well, this is just like a dream, this kind of church. We're never really going to see this in the 21st century. And sometimes I've, I've thought, well, maybe this is just for the first century. The description that's used here is so dynamic. 3,000 people being saved in one day and the Holy Spirit being poured out and church, which is like everyone's together, the unity and the sharing of their lives with one another. And, I, and, and I've thought, well, maybe it's just for the first century. But then you look at it again and you think, well, it's in the Bible. Why is this passage of scripture here at all? And just maybe, rather than mocking us, it's actually a model, a blueprint, if you like, for the kind of church that God really does want for today. And actually, it's not something just for the first century, but everything that's mentioned in the passage I've read to you is timeless. It's actually good and proper and expected that you and I would experience these same things in our day and generation. As I mentioned earlier, this was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out. It's kind of like a new age of the Spirit. And there's no evidence at all anywhere for this age of the Spirit having come to an end 100 years later. We are still today living in the age of the Spirit. Everything we've read about this morning and through the Acts of the Apostles is still the age that we are living in in this world today. You know, when coronavirus came, people said, wow, that's going to stop everything. For us as churches, it stopped us from meeting in a building. For you, you could no longer meet in the Rose Theatre at a certain time on a Sunday morning. But I have to be honest with you and say that's the only thing that really has stopped. God's purposes actually continue. Jesus is still building his church. The Holy Spirit is not in lockdown. And this picture that we have here of the early church, there are really no barriers to us being able to experience these things more and more in our lives together right now. A friend of mine recently said, having read this passage, he said, you know, the only thing we can't do right now is go to the temple. Everything else 
we have an opportunity to live these things out because church isn't just about a building and a meeting on a Sunday. It's about Christians living together seven days a week in community, reflecting the life of Jesus. And it looks like the rest of 2020 is going to be similar to this, at least. And so if that is the case, we need to lean into not worrying about a meeting or a building, but how do we do life together? I'm hoping restrictions will be lifted and we'll be able to do church in the home rather than in the building. Now, I've been asked particularly today to centre in on a few moments on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Others will look at water baptism and other aspects as well, but to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we can see from this passage in Acts chapter 2, there seem to be kind of three components that are then repeated again and again throughout the book of Acts, namely salvation as one experience, water baptism as another, and then baptism in the Holy Spirit as a third. And sometimes in scripture, these things don't happen like in a pattern like that. They're a bit mixed up. But the most important thing is those three things are foundational for every Christian's life. You know that you've been born of the Spirit, that those who are believers need to be baptized in water to declare that Jesus is the Lord of our life and not just our Saviour. And then receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is a promise from God that we might be empowered by God to live the Christian life. I don't know if you notice, but this passage of scripture we've read together in Acts is all to do with a promise. Peter said this is the promise to you and to your children and to your children's children. It's a promise from God. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 1. Verse 29, and this is the account of John the Baptist, who uh, is a forerunner of Jesus. And he makes declarations about Jesus. And in John 1, 29, John is standing there. There's the water. He's baptizing people. And it says this. And the next day he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Quite a statement. A few verses later in verse 33, John says this, I myself did not know him. This is Jesus, the Messiah, the one whom he would baptize. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like John is making two statements as Jesus comes onto the scene. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And behold, this is he who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. God's will is that you and I should not only know the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but we should also know the empowering of being baptized with the Holy Spirit as well. There's another account in John chapter 7 of Jesus standing before the crowd and it says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, 
whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now the passage we've looked at in Acts is all about Jesus has now been glorified. He has now given the Spirit. It's a promise from God. And if you now are those who believe, you will receive this powerful anointing. We need to understand that when you become a Christian, it is a work of the Spirit. You may be watching this today and you're not yet a Christian. You're thinking, how do I become a Christian? Well, when you believe and you repent, God does a work in your heart. It's been called, we call it born again, but it really is being born of the Spirit. The Spirit comes within you and causes you to have new life. It's a work of the Spirit. And every believer, every Christian, has the Holy Spirit living within them at that particular moment. You know, when you are in the process of becoming a Christian, you're not very aware of the Holy Spirit. And of course not, because this isn't to do with the Holy Spirit's empowering. This is to do with giving your life to Jesus. It's a work of the Spirit, but you're not really experiencing the Spirit. You're experiencing being born again. Yet still there is this promise of the coming upon of the Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost, to empower us as believers. The Bible talks about it in words like being clothed or being immersed, being drenched in the Spirit, being baptised in the Spirit. It's an experience that's real and tangible. It's something of the empowering of God within you. And it also comes from you and empowers you to do things beyond you. Signs and wonders and, 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 and moving in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is what I want to challenge us with this morning. Because we're still looking at a blueprint for how church was done in Acts as, as it is today. The blueprint in Acts is this. Every believer that you read about who is born of the Spirit, they know they're Christians, they're born again. Every account we read of is about these same Christians then receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, not to save them, but to give them power to live the Christian life. Let me give you a couple of examples of this very, very quickly. There are so many of them. If we read through the Acts, you'll see this pattern. But look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet, look at this, fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Very clear distinction for people who are clearly born again but then hands were laid on them and they received this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, one other passage of scripture, Acts chapter 19, Paul comes across a very confused group of people. He's not quite sure that they're really born again and they've had an experience of God. They've, they've, they've kind of followed John's instructions, John the Baptist, but Paul discerns that they're not very, very clear by asking them questions. And then in Acts 19 verse 4, it says this, and Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Now on hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid hands on them, his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And we could look at many other illustrations of clarity of this issue. Again, you may be someone who's not a Christian and you're you're watching this today and you're thinking, maybe you're doing Alpha or something and you're thinking, but you know what, if I do become a Christian, I'm not sure I'd be able to stay a Christian. What you need to understand is when you are born again and become a Christian, you then meet a person called the Holy Spirit. It's not a case of trying hard to keep up the Christian life. It's a case of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being in relationship with this person, the Holy Spirit, who helps you in every part of your Christian life. So if you're a Christian here today and you're watching this, can I just say to you, you qualify to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the qualification? The qualification is just being a child of God. That's all that you need to qualify. You may have been a Christian 15 minutes and you qualify to receive the coming upon of the Spirit. You may have been a Christian for 45 years and you've never really heard much about the coming upon the Spirit. You qualify, not because you're good enough or because you're experienced, but because you are a child of God. It's all you need to qualify to receive. And the moment you are convinced that you know you're a child of God and you can receive, then I want to encourage you. I try to encourage lots of Christians to know you qualify to receive this because lots of Christians say, well, I don't know whether I'm right and am I good enough and do I have to do other things, get myself ready? No. The day, on, on the day of Pentecost, they just had received they've been baptized in water and the spirit came upon them you don't have to become good enough it all happens in the same day in this passage of scripture but i want you to be convinced and once you're convinced i want to encourage you thirst hunger desire and expect that god will pour out his spirit upon you i think it's so important that you don't remain passive when you know you're a child of God, but you've not yet been baptized in the spirit, please don't wait kind of half-heartedly. Press in. You know, I, when my children were still living at home when they were smaller, I would often go on a trip somewhere and I'd say to them, do you know, when I come back from this trip, um, I'm going to bring some gifts and I'm going to give these gifts to you. I promise it's probably sweets, chocolates, things like that. And I come back. From my trip, I walk in through the front door and hardly before I've got in the front door with these gifts in my hand, my children are running towards me. It's almost like I'm irrelevant. The gifts are really what matter. I don't remember ever saying, look, children, here are the gifts that I promised you. I don't remember any of them saying with their hands behind their back, but Father, we're, we're just not worthy to receive these gifts. No, no, no. The moment I gave them and said, this is yours, it's your inheritance. Of course, they grabbed hold of them. The baptism in the spirit is something to be taken hold of. My experience is this. I was a Christian at the age of 17. After a lot of rebellion against my Christian upbringing, I became a Christian. And for about a year, I kind of struggled a bit with my Christian life. I knew I was born again. I'd been baptized in water. I wanted to know more of the things of God, but I was very, very up and down. There was something missing. I didn't feel I had power or freedom or liberty in my life. And I heard about the baptism in the spirit and I became convinced that I'm a child of God who qualifies to receive. 
My experience was for six months, I asked God to baptize me in the spirit. For six months, I went to meetings and had people lay hands on me to pray for me to be baptized in the spirit and nothing happened. But the strange thing is the longer it went on, the more I asked, rather than giving up, the more I became convinced that whenever this was gonna happen, it was God's will for me. Now I look back and realize I didn't quite understand. It was just receiving something by faith. I was kind of struggling, driven a bit to receive. But then there came a day when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, God answered my prayer. And it's like rivers of living water flowing from within, empowering me from within. And then I started to gush in a new language and started to speak things that I'd never even really understood. And it was life transforming for me. If God can do that for me as a kind of rebellious teenager, I'm absolutely convinced he can do it for you today. God's will for you. Now, we're coming to a close, but just to say this, that in normal times, after a sermon like this, uh, we probably ask you to come to the front of a meeting or something or meet next week and we lay hands on you and we just cannot do that at the moment. It's impossible. You don't have to have hands laid on you to receive the baptism in the Spirit. In fact, I want to encourage you during this time of lockdown, get alone, get before God and thirst and hunger and say, Lord, I ask you, for the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. And God will keep his promise because he's faithful. However long you wait, however long you thirst and hunger, don't just you know, ask and give up, just press in until you know the coming of God upon you in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been praying as I prepare this word, there will be people here today who will go this coming week and get alone and lift their hands and open up their lives and receive my faith the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life. Let's pray together. And as we pray, I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to come and for him to even now, even though we're watching a screen, you might like to just lift your hands, even now to receive from God as we pray. Perhaps as you've been listening to this today, you're not yet a Christian. I want to encourage you to reach out Ask Jesus to become your Lord and Saviour. And the Spirit of God will come in you and cause a work of you being born again today. Perhaps you've been doing Alpha. There comes a moment where you can understand a lot more things, but you still have to take this step of faith and say, yes, I believe. I turn away from my past life. Would you come, Lord Jesus, and transform my life? You may today be a Christian. My prayer for you is this, that you know that you're born again, but you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit. Ask. Even now, Father, I ask that there will be people who will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you we've been born again of the Spirit, but how much more do we need your power in our lives? I want to pray this too. There may be some of you who are Christians who have had an experience of the spirit you have been baptized in the spirit but you've not gone on being being filled with the spirit you know the baptism of the spirit is not supposed to be a one-off experience the holy spirit isn't an experience he's a person and i pray for some of you who've had past experience of the spirit that you will begin to once again live in the ongoing power of the holy spirit and Father, I pray for King's Church today. 
right there in this great part of London, Kingston, that, Lord, for the rest of 2020, this will be a season of experiencing God that's not dependent on going to meetings in a theatre. And, Lord, I pray you'll help us to do and to be church. And when we can meet together one day, which will be absolutely amazing, it won't be to kickstart something, but it actually will be to carry on doing something that we've already been doing all over these months in lockdown. Lord, I pray, let your Holy Spirit come upon us as your people in increasing measure. Amen. Well, I pray God will really bless you. You know, if you just want to know a little bit more about the Holy Spirit, because it's whetted your appetite, then if, again, if you go onto the New Ground website and uh, you go to, um, I think it's media, it is media, and then you press series, you'll find there there's a six-week course on more about the Holy Spirit and more about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'd really encourage you to do that. Thank you for having me with you today. God bless you as you continue through this day and the coming weeks. In Jesus' name, amen.